0: Good, well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to this meeting tonight, and welcome to any who may have joined us online. Um, It's going to be slightly different from our normal midweek meeting this evening because we didn't have a prayer meeting on Monday, so um, I'm I'm hoping to allow a bit of time for prayer uh, during the um, second half of the meeting. but what we're going to do now is we're going to read from the scriptures and then uh, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give a um, a little bit of a talk from from the from the verses that, that that I've read so it's proverbs the passage is proverbs chapter 11 and verse 29 and uh, if you want to follow uh, it's page 635 in the black covered uh, Bibles. So Proverbs 11 and verse 29. And it says this. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be subject to so will be servant to the wise in heart of heart? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? Whoever loves discipline, Loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Well, let's now um, keep our eyes open and I'll just pray and then we'll look at those verses together. <clears throat> Lord God, thank you so much for the privilege we have this evening of being able to gather together in your presence. And thank you that we can now consider your word together. Please, Lord, will you help me to teach your word in a way which is helpful and upbuilding? And please, Lord, would you um, uh, help us, Lord, to receive your word? And please, would you speak to us, uh, both through the preaching of the word and also through uh, any discussion that we have uh, in a little while? So we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so um, this evening we're we're thinking about these verses from Proverbs eleven and, and verse twenty nine, um, uh, and a few verses after that. And um, the the um, the heading. It's very difficult when we're looking at these verses of Proverbs because. You know each verse more or less is is in its own right and um, it's, you can't always find a heading for all the verses that you're looking looking at together but certainly the first two I think uh, teach us about on the one hand the damaging effects of sin upon the person who sins and upon those around him that's verse twenty nine uh, and more positively the good effect of, of, uh, of, of, of being righteous in your life, good in your life, uh, which we see uh, in verse 30. And then verse 31 talks about how um, there will, the, the, the results of, of, of both righteous and righteousness and goodness are seen often even in this life, let alone in the life to come. And then verse chapter 12, verse 1 gives us uh, the key to understanding, which is a willingness to be taught. So let's, let's uh, think about these things now. And first of all, then, uh, folly ruins your own household. Verse 29, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be the servant of the wise who is the person who troubles who brings trouble on his own household well clearly in the overall context of this book of of proverbs it is the fool now remember a fool in 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 the bible especially in the book of proverbs it's not just somebody who's not very clever you can be very clever and still a fool on the other hand you can some you can be not particularly bright and intelligent but actually be very wise a fool according to the bible is somebody whose heart turns away from god somebody who doesn't want to obey god and prefers to uh, to do his own thing and of course in our natural state all of us are fools until god works in us to turn us to himself and to uh, and to um, uh, gives that desire, uh, to, to have that desire to, to, to know him and to trust Jesus our savior and then to follow him. So what this is talking about in verse 29 is that is that the, some, but the person who's a fool, the person who turns away from God and refuses to come to Christ brings trouble on his own household. He brings disaster to not only to himself but also to the other members of his household. A, a father who lives in a bad way will often bring disaster upon his children, his wife and his children. A, a child who, who goes badly astray will often really bring terrible ruin on, on the whole family. Um. Now, the Bible is full of stories who, of, of those who brought misery on their families uh, through their sin. Um, and these, these stories illustrate this principle. Um, I won't ask you to turn to them, but in, in Numbers chapter 16, there's a story about Korah and other members of his wider family. And these, these people rebelled against Moses, and as a result... They and their wives and their children and all their possessions were all swallowed up by the earth. The earth opened up and swallowed them up and they were all gone. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 25 tells the story of a man called Nabal. And Nabal, his name actually means fool. And now David was on the run from, from King Saul and he asked Uh, He sent a message to Nabal asking for uh, provisions for him. Uh, Or he sent uh, a message via via some messengers asking for some provisions. And uh, Nabal sent these messengers away, you know, with with insults, with a fleeing area. And David was provoked to uh, attack them. And he very nearly came and he very nearly destroyed the whole household. And it, it wasn't for the wise intervention of his wife Abigail um, no doubt there would have been disaster for Nabal and his family another story um, is, is of David himself having become king uh, although in his early years he, he served the lord very well uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then tried to cover up his adultery he he uh, he got her husband killed off uh, in, in battle, deliberately. And then he was confronted by Nathan the prophet uh, about his sin. And uh, And God said to, to, to David, through Nathan the prophet, as recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 to 12, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you've despised me and have, have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite, to be your wife. Behold, I will raise up evil from, against you from out of your own house, and I will take the, your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, <coughs> and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And that's exactly what happened, and you can read the story later on. And in fact, it's sadly, it was, it was one of David's own sons who then rose up against him in rebellion and, and, and then slept with, with David's wives in, in full view of all uh, Jerusalem. And probably uh, all of us who are Christians here will have known uh, children who've been brought up in the homes of, 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 of professing Christians. And in some instances, have been scandalized by the gross sin of their parents and have found it very difficult to believe and very difficult to, to follow the Lord. But it's not just, of course, parents who can bring ruin on, 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 their, on their children, but it's also children who can bring ruin to a family. Sometimes a, a son in a family might develop a, a, a drink habit or a drug habit and, and go through all of the income of, 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 of the household, go through all of the wealth of the household and impoverish the whole household as a result of his sin. Uh, one f- quite famous example of this, very tragic example, was of an aristocrat uh, called John Hervey, uh, who was the oldest son of uh, Victor Hervey, the sixth Marquis of Bristol. And um, the information that I read today said that after spending some time in London, Monte Cristo Monte Carlo and and Paris and New York in the nineteen seventies, he settled in part of the family seat, Ickworth House in Suffolk, becoming the seventh Marquis in nineteen eighty five. Despite inheriting a large fortune of up to 35 million pounds, the Marquis spent most of it during his lifetime. He struggled with addiction to cocaine and other drugs, serving several jail sentences for for possession, and was known for his flamboyant lifestyle and homosexuality. His brief marriage in the mid-1980s did not last because of this, and he became increasingly depressed as he lost money and faced bankruptcy, culminating in the sale of the remainder of Ickworth House to the National Trust. He died in early 1999, aged 44, of complications arising from his drug addiction and was succeeded by his half-brother. So these tragedies do happen, don't they, where somebody lives not in accordance with God's word and it brings disaster upon him and... His whole family, and so our verse says there: whoever troubles his family will inherit the wind. A foolish man who 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 brings trouble on his own household will will uh, often bring ruin upon himself and upon uh, his family. And it says, and whoever, and, and the fool. Second half of the verse: the fool will be subject. Will be servant to the wise in heart. So the person who who rejects God's word and lives a life of folly will often, not always, of course. Remember, when we're looking at the Book of Proverbs, we're looking at things at generalizations. So you might find somebody who is a fool, and in the Bible terms, who's totally opposed to God, and doesn't live by God's law, and this person becomes rich and 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 lives a very comfortable life and and seems to be fine, but generally speaking, the person who 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 rejects God's law uh, will reap consequences even in this life, let alone in the life to come. And uh, especially somebody, for example, who is who is lazy, or who uh, succumbs to um, to addictions and doesn't and doesn't. Uh, Turn away from those addictions uh, will often land up in great poverty, and uh, and even a, even a famous person, even a, a, a well a, a prosperous person, or somebody who's who's perhaps high up socially, can land up um, becoming actually a servant to those who would normally have been his servants, and so that the inheritance is squandered. Now, of course. Uh, This is also true at the spiritual level. The person who rejects Christ and doesn't believe in Christ will have no inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5, uh, the apostle Paul says, For you, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous that means greedy, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ, and of God. If we want to have any lasting inheritance, we must turn from sin and trust in Christ to be our savior and, to, and look to him to give us an inheritance that lasts forever. So Peter says in his first letter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So I'd say to anybody who's not yet come to Christ, turn from your sins trust in Jesus. Stop being a fool. Stop living the life of a fool and come to Christ. And then having come to Christ, uh, serve him wholeheartedly. Now, the, the next verse is the exact opposite. So the first verse was talking about the damaging effects of sin. The next verse talks about the great blessing to other people of of. Of being righteous, verse thirty: the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Now, the the, the righteous uh, or the wise that often in again in the book of Proverbs the two are often used to mean the same. They are those who have Turned from their sins and trusted in Jesus to save them. They are therefore clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But also having been born again, they start to live in a righteous way. They're not perfect in this life, but they start to live in a righteous way. They're not saved by being righteous, by, by their works. They're saved only through Jesus but the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives also means that they, they, their life uh, does start to change. And what this verse is saying is that, is that what is produced by someone who is righteous, it says, is a tree of life. Now, I'm sure many of us will remember the tree of life, how, it, how the, the tree of life was there. In the Garden of Eden, do you remember how how um, uh, God? There were two important trees amongst all the other trees in the Garden of Eden. There were two really key trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was also the tree of life. If Adam and Eve had had eaten of the tree of life, they would have been glorified, and they would have they would have become all that God ever wanted them to be but there was another tree which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which was if they eat of that tree they're really saying we want to rebel against God well um, we all know the story don't we they didn't eat of the tree of life but instead they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so disaster came but that that tree of life would have been a source of tremendous blessing to them and, and, and immortality and glory to them Now, that tree of life, of course, it's symbolic. It crops up again at the end of the Bible, uh, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, Perhaps not so many people are so so familiar with this bit, but um, Revelation 22, right at the end of the Bible, page 1, 2, 3, 4. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding fruit, it, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, so you've got a tree of life in Eden, which was, of course, a picture of paradise beginning of, of the world you've got a tree of life in, in the new creation at the end of the world but a, a believer this is amazing is not it a believer, a righteous person is like a tree of life not in paradise but in this in this dark corrupt sad and sinful world. and just as those the, that, those leaves for were the, for, for the healing of the nations uh, for the healing of the nations, or that just as that tree of life would have been a source of blessing in Eden if they'd have only eaten it. And just as the tree of life is a source of blessing for people in the future, in the new world, so the believer who is righteous, who, who is, is this tree of life, like this tree of life, or his fruit is like this tree of life in, in this dark and sad and corrupt world that we live in. Well, what is the fruit of the uh, of the righteous. Well, we're told in Galatians chapter five uh, what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. If you want to look at that, that's on page uh, one thousand one hundred and fifty eight. Uh, it says uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the, the true Christian who is living in, 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 and, and walking in fellowship with the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit in, in his or her life produces this lovely fruit of, of, these, of these qualities. And, and what, what, this, this, what this verse in Proverbs is saying is that that fruit of the righteous is like a tree of life. It does good to those around that, that righteous person. As, as the people, as it were, eat of his fruit or her fruit, and they 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 experience that love from that Christian, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness, that gentleness, that self-control, as as that fruit, as it were, is eaten by the people around, then uh, they um, then the people around. Um, uh, Are really blessed. There's another verse which perhaps we might want to just quickly look at which is Psalm 92 which talks about the fruitfulness of the true Christian and the way that the the true Christian is like a a tree that is flourishing. Psalm 92 uh, and verse 12, uh, that's on page 589, which says "Uh, the righteous flourish like a palm tree like the palm tree and grow like the cedar of Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are forever, they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's a challenge to me as I grow old and to, to the rest of us as we, you know, the more older ones of us, you know, are we still bearing fruit? In our old age are we still still got that sap flowing through us are we still bearing that fruit we still being those that blessing or you know have we become crotchety you know old sticks you know dry old sticks or you know uh crabby and and ill-tempered and 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 miserable and grumpy and cynical and and all the rest of it we need to be the the even as we grow into our old age the these these the, these these trees that are Bearing fruit and doing good to those around, and so, and so, the, the, the true Christian, the right, the, the the righteous, is is a bless should be a blessing to those around him. He should be. The promise is he will be a blessing. He'll be like the tree of life. He'll do good. So. You know, a, a Christian husband will, will be good for his wife. He, she won't be thinking, oh, great, he's going away. A bit of relief. She'll think, oh, how sad he's going away because, you know, I won't have that blessing of having him around. And and, and, uh, and and same for the spouse, for the wife, for the husband. And the children will will be blessed because they've got a a, a Christian, a righteous father or a righteous mother uh, for the parent. Uh Parents of the righteous will be blessed. Uh, work colleagues will be blessed because here's a man or a woman who's cheerful, who's reliable, who's hardworking, who is kind, who is patient, who who um, doesn't gossip and slander, who is not not making filthy jokes and and being rude and unkind. Uh, so there's blessing coming to. To the work colleagues, the neighbours—they know that this is a person who's always cheerful and says hello. And you know, if there's ever any trouble, they can call on on that person. So there is this this blessing which comes through uh, through the true believer, who who lives in fellowship with the Lord. And then also there is a, the tree of life is also experienced in the sense that through through that believer. Others also become believers. There is that fruit, not only in terms of goodness of life, but fruit in terms of reproduction. You know, um, fruit. There's a reproductive side to fruit, isn't there? Because that's the definition of fruit. It's something that's got a a seed inside it. And so, uh, yes, it it tastes nice. It's, It's 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 attractive, but there is that seed which can then germinate to another tree. And so. And so the, the true believer will, will lead to other believers. Uh, and, and this comes in two ways. Because First of all, because that if that believer is walking in fellowship with the Lord, those around him are liable. They should start to feel a sense of conviction. Oh, he doesn't swear. And, and, and they start to think, oh, I'm, I'm swearing all the time. And they feel a bit embarrassed about the fact that they're always swearing. Or, oh, he won't tell a lie. And, and they feel, oh, and, and they start to, to oh, he's, he's very, very modest and very polite to, to, to members of the opposite sex and doesn't make any dirty jokes. Oh, they feel a bit, you know, and they start to realize that there's something different. They start to realize, they're not living as they should be living. That should be happening uh, as, as they see the righteous life of of the, of the believer and that, and that person starts to feel a sense of conviction uh, for his or her sin. But then also that that believer can then also testify to the Word of God and and bring and, and, and speak about Christ and what Christ, Has done for him or her, and about the way of salvation. And so that person is not, the the neighbors are not only convicted of their sin, but they also start to understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this Do you want to be a blessing to people around you? Do you want to do good to people around you? Um, Do you have a social conscience? Are you concerned for the poor and needy? Are you worried about the environment? Uh, do you want to, to do good to people? Well, the best thing you can do for anybody, apart from yourself, but the best thing you can do for your neighbours and for your friends and for your family is to come to Christ. And having come to Christ, then live as the Lord would have you to live. Uh, and, um, you know, one Christian, one Christian who is totally dedicated to Christ and who serves the Lord consistently, day in, day out, the amount of good that just one Christian can do is absolutely colossal. You can look in history and see single individuals whom God has used to change whole societies, to bring in social reforms, to change the way that medicine is practiced and, and, and do tremendous good. So, you know, remember this as well. You know, if ever you're tempted to get depressed, sometimes people say, oh, what's the point in living? Sometimes Christians feel that way. They, Oh, what's the point in my living? I, I wish I was dead. No, never even think that. Because you could do fantastic good. There's no telling the good that you can do, the blessing that you can be to somebody. So never, ever want to die. Never, ever say, oh, I wish I wasn't here. No, say, I want to be here for as long as possible so I can do the maximum good to as many people as possible. Now, this leads us to the second part of the verse. Whoever captures souls is wise. And this is quite a famous verse that... Um, that um, that people have often used to um, talk about the, the benefit of evangelism and and rightly so it's a lovely lovely thing isn't it whoever captures souls whoever wins souls is wise uh, we who are believers we can be soul winners now of course we know that it is the Lord Jesus who converts people you know we, we, we can't Create a Christian. We can't. We can't make anybody a Christian. Uh, but we. But the Lord does use individuals in that process. You remember just the other week, just I think just, just very recently on Sunday, we, we Paul said we saw how he said, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You know, we 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 change their mind. Now he hasn't changed their mind. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit. But the Lord used Paul to change people's minds, or he talks also about how he says he talks about how he becomes all things to all men in order to to gain some now again it's not that he gains people it's it's the Lord who who gains people um, uh, let me just let me let me just uh, read the um, Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, he says, Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, though not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win that weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. That, Paul, you're not saving anybody. No, of course you're not. But he wants to be instrumental in saving people. So he actually says that quite daring thing, that I might save some. So. Uh, Winning people for Christ, being a soul winner, being a being a a, a, a a someone who captures souls. Who, you know, Jesus said, didn't He? That He said to the disciples, "I've made you a, a, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." What do you do when you're fishing? Well, I'm not a fisherman, but well, I know people who've done gone fishing. Well, you, you put a little worm or something, or a little maggot at the end of a hook on a line. And you lay, lay, lower, lower the line, the, the hook and, and with the bait on it. And you, you hope that the fish is going to bite on that bait. And then you reel the fish in and you've, you've caught the fish. Well, the Lord wants us to be catching people with the gospel. And this is the wonderful thing. We can be involved in this tremendous work of, of soul winning. Of 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 Of, 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 of catching souls. How can we be involved well some of us might be called to be missionaries or evangelists or or, or pastors and they're directly involved in, um, in 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 that in that work of full time of, of of trying to to win souls not everybody is is called to work full-time or, or to be uh, an evangelist or a pastor. But, but all of us can, can do two things. We can be involved in the work, first of all, by prayer. And, um, for example, Paul said to the, all the believers in Colossae, chapter 4 uh, and verse, verse 2, he said, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So you can pray for those who are going out on Tuesday nights that God will open a door for them. You can pray for me on Sundays and for Ed on Sundays and Paul that God will open a door for the gospel, that God will bring people in and God will speak to them. And you can pray for uh, the great blessing of God upon his word. But then also, uh, we can all be soul winners in the sense that all of us can testify. You know, everybody, every one of us, we know non-Christians, don't we? We've got non-Christian friends, non-Christian family, non-Christian neighbors. And you might not be somebody who can preach, as it were, but you can, you can tell your family, tell your friends about how Jesus has saved you. Or you could go along on a Tuesday night and be a number two in a visiting team. You don't say anything, but you're just standing there alongside somebody else. They don't, the other person does all the talking, but you're there praying and supporting. Or you can go, go and um, help Ed on a Thursday or a Saturday. All you're doing is standing in the crowd. You say, well, I'm not doing anything, I'm just standing here. But you are because you're helping the gospel to be proclaimed. And perhaps you might have a chance just to be a bit friendly to somebody in the crowd. So uh, that's the the second thing then, that um, that, uh, living in a righteous way does great good. Now let's move on. We will be a bit quicker with the other two things. So third thing, how we live has consequences, both good and bad. So we come on now to verse 31. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. So we're back at Proverbs now, Proverbs 11 verse 31, page 635 if you've lost it. So Now, remember, again, the book of Proverbs is saying things that are generally true. So, what this is saying is that, generally speaking, if you live a righteous life, there'll be good consequences in this this world. If you work hard, if you're righteous, and you follow the Lord by working hard, then it's likely, not certain, but it's likely that you'll be able to provide for your needs and for the needs of your family. And you won't be, you won't be, you won't be uh, desperately poor. If you are a good and faithful, and loving spouse, it's likely that you'll have a long and happy marriage and a happy family life. If you avoid smoking uh it 's likely not certain, but it 's likely that you won 't get lung cancer. Some people do smoke don 't smoke at all and they still get lung cancer, but generally speaking it 's likely that 's the case if you if you avoid drinking too much then it 's likely that you won 't have illnesses like cirrhosis of the liver or heart disease but conversely uh, sin will often lead to very sad and tragic results in a person's life. If you have many sexual partners, you're likely to get sexually transmitted diseases. If you're lazy, you're likely to uh, to um, become poor. If you, if you lie habitually, you're likely to have very few friends because nobody will trust you anymore. If you engage in occult practices, you're likely to become full of fear and and have all sorts of psychological problems. Now, sometimes these results take a long time to appear in a person's life. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this, So the sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. So you might keep your sins hidden for a while, and, and the results of your sin might be hidden for a while, but God has a way of causing these things to become discovered. Don't we fi- so often find, you know, somebody keeps an affair secret for years, and then suddenly it all comes out, and it's and in, in there's public shame and, and, and scandal. Uh, Paul and I were at this conference this last week. If I remember correctly, the, the, the speaker put it like this. He said, at the right time, God opens the wardrobe door and the skeletons come tumbling out. You know that old expression, the skeleton in the wardrobe. Well, it comes out. Your, your, your hidden, secret, hidden sins, God has a way of bringing them out. So, and of course, even if sins do not become obvious in this life, they will certainly become obvious in the life to come because the Lord is going to judge all. So you can't get away with your sin. Sin always has consequences, often in this life and certainly in the life to come. And so, it, again, it's so important to be saved and come to Christ. Now then, the last verse we're going to be thinking about tonight is verse 12, which really gives us the key to wisdom. Uh, uh, and it says, chapter twelve, verse one: Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Now, knowledge often is used synonymously with wisdom in, in in this in this book of Proverbs. So, whoever loves knowledge, discipline, loves wisdom. That's how you get it. And he, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Again, it's not talking about stupid in the sense of being. Not very intelligent, it's talking about stupid or foolish in the sense of being uh, anti-god the new king James translates um, uh, uh, whoever uh, I think it is this right whoever loves loves uh, instruction uh, loves knowledge is that right yeah whoever loves instruction, which I think perhaps it might be a better way of putting it. The person who... It's the person who likes being instructed, who likes being ticked off. (laughs) Of course, none of us naturally likes being ticked off, do we? There's something in us all that that would say, oh, I don't want anybody to tick me off. But actually, when someone is born again... He actually, strange enough, enjoys being ticked off. <laughs> Sometimes, you know it sounds a bit paradoxical. Sometimes I've preached a really hard hitting sermon and you know, really saying how you know sinful we all are and how you know we break God's law and everything else. And and somebody's come up to me after and said, I really enjoyed that sermon. No but the thing is because actually it did them good. It really helped me to see my sin, and this is the wonderful thing when you 're born again, you actually in in a sense enjoy it. you're glad to be reproved, you're glad to be instructed because you know that 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 has actually shown you your sin, and this is what is really important. we must have that teachable heart. we must have that willingness for God to show us our sin we 're never going to become wise. As long as we're so proud, we say, oh, I don't need to know this, I don't need to know, you know, I, I, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. Um, perhaps we might just quickly look over to James chapter 1, because this is really, I think, very relevant to this. James chapter 1 in the New Testament. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 19. Page 1,999. Towards the back, nearly nearly the very back of the Bible. Page 1199, James 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, you know, we need to be ready to hear what somebody's going to say to you. You know, tap. tap, somebody comes to you and they say, I need to tell you, you did something wrong. You know, the flesh rears up and says, Who are you to tell me what to do? We get angry. But no, it says be quick to hear and slow to anger. Slow to speak, slow to defend yourself, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Then, verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So we need to you know, that that that, that negative side that wants to just sort of, you know, say no, I don't want to hear this, I don't want, no, put that away. Put away that, that, that bad heart and receive with meekness that implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, that, of course, is essential to becoming a Christian, but remember this is spoken to Christians. This is essential also to us going on as Christians. You know, sometimes it sadly happens, someone professes faith in Christ, makes a very good start, and then that person becomes proud and arrogant and unteachable, and starts to go backwards in his or her life. But we need to have that continuing humility to keep on receiving that instruction. And none of us should ever get to the point where we say, oh, I don't need anybody to tell me off. I don't need anybody to to show me what to do. No, we need every time somebody comes to you with a criticism or with a complaint, you should assume that there's at least a grain of truth in what that that person's going to say. Maybe they won't be fully right, but the chances are there'll be an element of truth in that. We need to have that humility to say, okay, please tell me. Whatever it is you've got to say, please tell me. And listen to whatever criticism or rebuke there is. And not get defensive and not get angry. And certainly not make a counterattack. This is something which we're all tempted to do, you know. If somebody says, "Oh, you did this wrong," ah, well, let me tell you about what you did wrong. No. Listen first to what the person's got to say to you. If if you felt somebody you've done something wrong, you should have told that person before. Now now it's your turn to listen. So listen carefully. Uh, think carefully about what's being said, and and. Uh, and be ready to apologize. Be ready to say, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for that. And even if at first, you know, you thought, no, they've got it wrong. But then afterwards, you might think a day or two later, yeah, actually there's a point there. Then you go back and say, you know what, I thought about it some more. And you, you actually were right. I, I was wrong in, what I, in the way I spoke to you, whatever it was. So here is this, 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 this key this, that we've, so we've seen the blessing of righteousness, or the, the, the misery that comes from not being wise, not being righteous, the blessing that comes from being righteous, the dreadful results, or, or the good results of righteousness and the bad results of sin, but then the key to that righteousness here in chapter 12, verse 1, is having a teachable heart, so may God uh, write his word upon our hearts, and may he help us to uh, to apply his word in our lives. Uh, we'll have a not very long discussion tonight, because I said, I want to allow a little bit of time for prayer, since we didn't have a, a prayer meeting. But we will, um, we, I think Ed and Arlene have got, got, got to go, and maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two others might need to go. But those of us who stay will um, will have a, a little bit of discussion um, and then followed up with with a time of prayer. Uh, if you if you're at home online, uh, please now switch over to Zoom, and uh, we'd love to see you online as well. And we hope that the electronics will work all right so that you can you can um, you can join us. Thanks. Perhaps we could just pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us tonight about how dangerous and harmful uh, rebellion against you is, and also what a blessing it can be if we know you and we, if we serve you. Lord, we pray that you'll help us also to uh, have that teachable spirit, whereby we allow your word to wound us, and we allow your word to instruct us, and we allow other people to, to speak into our lives and to correct us and rebuke us and to help us to see where we're going astray. So we thank you, Lord, and we uh, offer ourselves to you now. Pray that you'll bless our discussion and then uh, bless our prayer time, we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen.